Hey, it's good to see you today. Uh, my name's Dan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church. And if this is your first time checking us out, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to meet you. But welcome. So glad that you're here. I wanted to kind of start today by uh, giving a shout out to all the frontline workers. Thank you very much for your investment, your sacrifice, uh, the way that you're giving yourself and your devotion. We appreciate you and we're praying for you. Uh, for those of you who are watching and uh, maybe you're trying to find ways to connect, uh, we want to find ways to connect with you. And so our hope is, is you'll check out our Facebook page. Uh, if you're getting our emails, hopefully you're getting those communications. Some of you are like, how do I become involved in a group? And so you can email us, let us know that we have some virtual groups going on. We just wanna find as many ways to connect with you during this time as we possibly can. It was so fun to be able to hear from Miss Sherry and uh, her friend Ella. And uh, Ella, thank you so much for praying for us this morning. What a powerful, powerful way to kind of start our time together. So good to see her and Miss Sherry as they interacted, some cool things going on with kids. Which reminds me that next week, next Sunday, we wanna create a unique experience for you. So if you're a mom or you have a mom, Think about that for a minute, right? But we wanna invite you to come to a drive-through Mother's Day experience right here at the campus from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. And so it's just a chance to drive through our parking lot. Uh, no one's getting out of their cars. Uh, those that are gonna work it are gonna have masks and gloves, all that kind of stuff. Wanna wave at you, give you some gifts, things like that, just a way to say Happy Mother's Day. So put that on your calendar, plan to come, Bring your mom, it's a way to celebrate together. We look forward to seeing a lot of you, nine to 12 in our campus parking lot. Uh, if you have a Bible, you wanna open it to First Peter. That's where we've been the last two weeks. We're gonna go there again today. Uh, lay that in your lap. You wanna grab a pen and some paper, write some things down. We've been looking at this book called First Peter, and here's what we've said. We said First Peter is written by a real guy a blue collar fisherman who was transformed by Jesus into this humble yet passionate preacher. He's writing to real people who are really in real location, modern day Turkey, they're scattered everywhere because they're in a real circumstance that's really hard. And so they really need some hope. And we said the big picture of the book of 1 Peter is this, it's all about living hope. It's all about living hope while living here. That's what we've been talking about. And so today, we're gonna to pick it up in verse 13. So if everybody was wanna look there, but we're gonna pick it up in verse 13 because here's what Peter, the guy writing this book says. He says this in verse 13, he says, therefore, and we gotta stop a minute because when you see that word therefore, you're like, what does that mean? Well, the word therefore simply means this, because of, in light of. What's Peter saying in verse 13? He's saying, in light of everything I've already said, in verses one through 12, he's saying, because of everything I've already said, because of the fact that God in his great mercy gives you the opportunity to have a new birth, to have a fresh start, because of the fact that God in his mercy secures your future in Christ, because of the fact that God in his mercy gives you a new identity. That's what he's saying, therefore. Therefore, in light of the fact that God literally has saved me from the penalty of sin in Christ, that God will save us from the presence of sin in Christ, that God is saving us from the power of sin in Christ. That's what he's saying, therefore. Therefore, in light of that, therefore, in light of the fact that living hope, right, is this gift that you and I can receive. 
And it's a gift that we can receive and it's a gift that we need because sometimes living here is hard. Therefore, in light of that, here's what Peter says. He says, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. What I want you to focus on is in the middle of this, I think is the gist of the passage. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Be holy, if you underline in your Bibles, underline that word holy, because I am holy. Here's the point today. Let's get the big idea and then let's flesh it out. The big idea today is living hope lives holy while living here. There it is. Living hope lives holy while living here. Now that seems kind of intimidating, right? Because that word holy sounds kind of like a churchy word, right? And, and, and depending on how you say it, it can, say it out loud, wherever you're watching this, say holy, right? I mean, you can say it, it sounds like some churchy word. It can almost be intimidating. It can kind of sound like this high and mighty kind of word. I'm convinced, I'm convinced of this, that we misunderstand this word holy. And because we misunderstand it, here's what happens. Two things, we avoid it, and sometimes we abuse it because we misunderstand it. And so what I wanna do is kind of tease it out. For some of us, we misunderstand it, and here's what we think. When we think the word holy, it's intimidating to us. We think, toe the line, God's gonna be mad. What are people gonna think? And so what we think is, I gotta be holy because I'm guilted into being holy. Some of us are ashamed because we're not holy. It's an intimidating word to some of us. For some of us, when we see the word holy, we think isolation. That's how we kind of play out this word holy. We think in order for me to be holy, I gotta stay away from anything that's unclean. And so we begin to think about only hanging out with people who maybe are churched people, Christian people. We get in what we call holy huddles as though those people aren't unclean, right? And then there's other people, this is what they think. For them, when, they, when, when the word holy comes to their mind, it's something that I'm gonna be so different that sometimes I'm irritating. You ever been around somebody like that, right? They're, 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 I'm gonna be so different that every circumstance is a chance for me to preach a sermon. I'm gonna wear funny t-shirts, have funny bumper stickers. I'm gonna preach a sermon any chance I get. Uh, it's kind of like a holy hitman, right? You know, like I'm gonna take any chance to make sure you know what it means to be holy. You see, here's what I know. For some of you watching this, this word holy, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what that means. For some of you, it's intimidating because you've been guilted with the word. For some of you, it's caused you to run into isolation. For others of you, you think, my number one priority is to be different and make sure everybody knows what I think. And you think that's what it means to be holy. And I think we misunderstand what Peter's saying here. So what I wanna do for a few minutes is I wanna declutter and repackage this word holy because he says living hope lives holy while living here. And the word holy has as its root, here's what it means, it means different. 
What he wants us to know is this, living hope while living here results in living different. And for us to understand it, we gotta look back at the passage. He says this, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, be holy. And then down here he says, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. What's Peter saying? He's saying this, living hope, ready? That lives holy means that it's changed the way I think. And when the way I think changes, it changes the way I live. Living hope thinks different and it results in living different. Living hope lives holy while living here. So we just need to break this apart. Let's look at the first part of this. Here's what he says. Let's start with the mind. He says, therefore, with minds, that's where he starts, that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. What in the world is Peter saying? What is he saying? He's saying it all starts in the mind. If I could sum up what he's saying, and if you're taking notes, I would write it down this way. He's saying, keep your head in the game. I think that's what he's saying. Those of you who play sports, watch sports, or like sports know that a lot of sports and athletics is mental, right? We think of athletics as athletic ability, physical ability, but a lot of sports is intellectual, is mental. I love this, this quote by Yogi Berra, right? Maybe you've seen it before. He said, baseball, some of you like baseball, is 90% mental and the other half is physical. Let that sink in for a minute, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But what he's saying makes sense in that there is a lot about athletics that is mental. I used to coach football and you know this, that when it comes to sports, sometimes you can have two players and maybe one has more athletic ability, maybe a little more athletic ability, but the other is a better thinker. Sometimes that one who is a better thinker can somehow outplay the one who has better athletic ability because he's more prepared. He's kept his head in the game. You see, as a coach, here's what you know. You want your players to have their minds prepared before they ever go into the game. They've studied the playbook, right? They've read the scouting report. But you also want them when they're in the game to keep their head. So that if bad things happen, you want them to keep their head. If the crowd gets noisy, keep your head in the game, right? If things go good, keep your head, don't get too high. Keep your perspective. That's what Peter is saying. He's saying this, if you want to live holy while living here, which is sometimes hard, he's saying keep your head in the game. Well, how in the world do I do that? Well, I think it's found in the passage, and it starts with this. He says, therefore, with minds that are alert. Now, <clears throat> some of y'all are reading from the old Bible, uh, King James Version. And, and so here's the way it reads in your King James Version, and and just trust me on this if you don't have a King James Version. But it literally says this. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, can I get an amen on this in your living room? Aren't we glad they translated that? Because <laughs> some of you are sitting there, you're scratching your head. I didn't even know my mind had loins, right? Let alone how to, how to gird up the loins of my mind. And that feels really uncomfortable to even talk about. I'm glad we're not doing this in person, right? Like, I'm really glad they translated that. But, but what they're trying to do is give us a word picture. 
and it's a really good one. Men and women back at this particular time would have worn robes, right? They would have worn robes and all Peter is saying is this, is that when a man or a woman was getting ready to go to work, go into battle or maybe an athletic competition, what they would do is they would gird up that robe. They would tie it in their belt so that they could get to business, so that they could go into battle, so that they could run the race. That's what he's saying. In fact, I like the way some other translations put it. New Living says, prepare your minds for action. That's what Peter's saying. He's like, gird up the loins of your mind. He said, prepare for action. Preparing your minds for action, ESV says. The message says, roll up your sleeves. We might understand that better. Put your mind in gear. What's Peter saying? I would write it this way. He's saying, learn to act. He's saying, learn to act. Now, I, I want to explain this. I want to tease it out to you. He says, get your mind prepared for action. He's saying this, learn in order to act. Act because you've learned. So key that you get this. He's saying learning is for action and our action flows from our learning. Please hear me on this. This is so instructive. Some people who are followers of Jesus have made following Jesus all about getting information. For some of you, maybe that's the case. It's all academic. It's like I'm in 42 Bible studies and following Jesus is just about going from Bible study to Bible study, getting information. Studying the Bible is good, but for a lot of people, that's all it is. I want to get information. And here's what Peter is saying. Why in the world would you gird up your loins if you weren't going to do something? If you weren't going into battle, if you weren't running a race, or you weren't going to get busy doing work? That's what he's saying. And what he's saying to us is this, that for us, learning, studying the Bible is so that we can act. We study to do, we learn to act. We say it this way at Grace Church, we know it to live it. We know it to live it. That's all Peter's saying. He's saying, why would you gird up the loins of your mind if you weren't gonna act? Now, the other side of this coin is true too. I got people who will say this to me, Dan, I'm just not a reader. I'm not into learning, I'm a doer. I'm more into doing, I don't like to read. Usually those people have a lot of opinions, right? They, of how we should do things, right? And I think this is what Peter is saying. Peter is simply saying, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna be a man of action, make sure you gird up your loins. Otherwise you might trip even on your own opinions. That's what he's saying. He's saying, get your mind set ready for what it is that God wants you to do. Other places of the Bible put it this way. Psalm 1, we, we talked about this several months ago in the way of change. It says this, that, that somebody whose mind is, is somehow prepared for action meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. Paul says it this way in Romans. He says, if you want to be transformed, it starts by renewing your mind. In Philippians 2, he says, I want you to have the mindset of Christ. I can't have the mindset of Christ if I don't get my head in the game and prepare my mind 
and take a minute to see what Christ did, how Christ thought, how Christ lived. That's what he's saying. He's saying, gird up the loins of your mind. But it's not where he stops. He says something else interesting. When you look back, he says, with minds that are alert and fully sober. He says that when, in terms of getting my head in the game, I want to learn to act. But then he uses this word. Literally, here's what it means. It means what you think it means. It means not intoxicated. <laughs> think about it this way. You don't, people who are drunk aren't usually making the best decisions. Can somebody amen that, right? I mean, it's true, right? I've never met somebody say, you know, I've got this really important decision. I think I'll go home down a six pack so I can make a good decision. Like people don't do that. Like, like we know that people who are drunk don't make the best decisions. That's why we don't like them to drive. Why? Their senses are dulled and they don't think clear. That's all Peter is saying. He's saying it this way. If you're taking notes, I would write it down this way. Don't become intoxicated or dull in your thinking. He's saying, I don't want your thinking to become intoxicated and I don't want you to become dull. I want you to be fully sober. He's saying, don't get dull, be disciplined. Guys, there are many things that can dull our thinking. Just think about it with me. Many things intoxicate us that dull our thinking. For some of us, our thinking becomes dull and it becomes dulled by the media. I'm not against, the media is great. It's awesome, right? There's some great things on the media. But for some of us, we know more about our favorite show than we do about the person that we say we follow. Or, or I might meddle a little bit here. Some of us know more about the opinions of our favorite news show than we do about the opinions of the God we worship. And we're dull in our thinking. That's all he's saying. Uh, not only that, social media can dull our thinking, and social media is not bad. But for some of us, maybe we're more interested in our Twitter feed than we are in feeding our soul. You tracking with me? Like, like those things can dull our, he's saying, be careful not to be dull in your thinking. And be careful not to be intoxicated, because if you're intoxicated, your thinking will be dull. Aren't there things in our, our culture that intoxicate us? The need for money can cause us to have dull thinking. I gotta have more and more and more and more and more. The need to be popular? Come on, teenagers. We all have struggled with this, right? You know what I'm talking about. I need to be popular so it dulls my thinking. I'll do whatever it takes to be popular. Successful. You see how that works? You know what else can dull our thinking? This desire just to be living in this beautiful naivety. There are some people like, I don't want to know what's going on. And so I'm going to just be naive to whatever is going on. And I think what Peter is saying, you're dull in your thinking. He's saying somebody who is not dull in their thinking is disciplined, they're sharp, they're alert, they're aware. He's saying, here's what I want. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be prepared. I want you to have the mind of Christ. Be alert. Whatever you do, don't allow things to dull your thinking. And then he says this in verse 13. He says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Here's what he's saying. If you're taking notes, I'd write it down this way. He says, keep perspective. That's all he's saying. He's saying when it comes to keeping your head in the game, he says, make sure you keep perspective. Don't lose perspective. In, this, in the middle of this game called life, he's saying this, keep your head. 
Don't lose perspective. And as a follower of Jesus, here's what that means. That the grace that saved you from the penalty of your sin, the grace that is at work in you, saving you from the power of sin, is also the grace that will save us from the presence of sin. He's saying Jesus is coming back. He's like, you know how this thing ends. That's what he's saying. Uh, a few days ago, I was, uh, there's no sports, right? Any of you struggling, right? It's not bad for us. But uh, I was sitting down in my Lazy Boy and I turned on a TV station and football game came on. And it was Penn State against Michigan. Now, I know I got a boo from some of you out there, right? Probably on both teams. But I'm watching this game. My son came in and, and I said, do you remember this game? Because my team wasn't doing very good. Penn State looked like terrible. And he said, yeah, Dad, we killed them. He said, we won this game big. And I'm watching this game, and my team had fumbled, and my team was struggling. And I'm like, and so he came walking back through, and my team was doing worse. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, Dad, this game was in 2018. We beat him. This was the score. I looked it up, and he was right. I sat back in my lazy boy. And I watched the rest of that game, and it was amazing how it changed my perspective. I watched the rest of that game. My team made a bad play, and I sat back calm, drinking my tea, eating my chips, just thinking, I know how this thing turns out. I watched my team struggle, and I had perspective. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, keep your head. When things begin to unfold, unravel, keep your head, because you know that your future is secure if you're a follower of Jesus. He said, that's what it means to be holy. Somebody who is holy is keeping their head. They're ready for action, they're aware, and they always have perspective. But then he says this. Look what he says next. As obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you, there's our word, is holy, so be holy in all you do. Be holy because I'm holy. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners in reverent fear. Can I focus on two words? Can I focus on two words? The first one is that word holy. That word holy, literally the Greek word for it is hagios. You know, you say that in your living room, right? Hagios, right? And then kind of wipe off the TV screen, right? But here's all it means, to be set apart, to be different. That's all it means. And he's saying God is holy. Lean in. There is no one like God. He is different other than. He is set apart. That's what it means. He's set apart in purity. He's set apart in righteousness. He's set apart in love. He's set apart in justice. Doesn't stop there. God is set apart in beauty. He's set apart in creativity. The scriptures say that his holiness has this splendor to it this beauty to it. What Peter is saying is this, be holy because God who is your father is holy. Like, Whoa, that's a big, that's a big mouthful. But that's not the only word I want you to see in here. You see, it also says, as you live out your times as, say the word out loud, foreigners. That word that he uses there is sojourners. It can be translated, this is not your home. Strangers. What, what Peter is saying here is simply this. He's saying, whatever you do, don't live like this is your home. He said, I want you to be holy, 
but I want you to make sure you live as foreigners. That can be hard because some of us, and many Christians today, want to live somehow as though this is their home. We get more worried about what's going on here, right? And, and he say, I want you to remember, keep perspective that you are holy, set apart, foreigners. What is Peter saying? He's saying, keep your head in the game. And then he's saying this, I want you to live as set apart strangers. That's what it means to be holy. Now, let me explain this to you. Let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying if you're a Christ follower, I want you to be strange. Please hear me say this because there are some people and maybe some people who would say I'm a follower of Christ and they make it their number one goal in life to be strange, to be weird, to do things just to appear weird. If that's you, can I encourage you, stop it. <laughs> that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to live as a sojourner. That's what the word means. You're estranged. This is not your home, but you're wholly set apart. Living hope while living here is living as set apart strangers. That's what he's saying. Well, how in the world do we do that? Well, he tells us. He says, as obedient children... Don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What's he saying? He's saying holiness is transformation. And it's the opposite of being conformed. I write it down this way. I think what he's saying is don't conform to this world, but transform to become like your father. You see, the story of the Bible says this, that we were made in the image of God. And the minute man decided to do his own thing, that image was marred. And from that time forward, this world has tried to conform us into its own image. And what he's saying is don't conform. But he's saying instead, be holy, transform to become like your father. Can I tell you something very important about holiness? Some of you are going to need to hear today. I think what Peter wants us to know, that this is so key, I think he wants us to know this, is that holiness is not simply following a list of rules. Uh, you ought to write that down. There's no screen for it. Write it down. Holy, for some of you, that's how you grew up. Be holy, thou shalt not. Don't chew, don't drink, don't whatever. Don't, 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 don't. And if you follow the rules, you're being holy. Listen, if holiness... Holiness is not just following rules. Because I can tell you this, if holiness is just following rules, you know this because you've been around people like this, maybe you are a person like this. If holiness was just about following the rules, it doesn't produce holiness. Following rules doesn't produce holiness. You know what it produces? Haughtiness. You see, holiness is about leaning into a relationship. That's what Peter's saying. It's about becoming more like your father. It's about becoming more like Christ. That's what he's saying. And he's also wanting us to know holiness is not simply about what you don't do, but he's saying, I want you to be set apart in what you do do. Become like your father. That's what he's saying. He's saying, be holy like your father. He's saying, be holy and set apart in your marriage. Be holy and set apart in your work. Be holy and set apart in your relationships. Be holy and set apart in your love. Be holy and set apart in your kindness. Be holy and set apart in your 
justice. Be holy and set apart in your work ethic. Be holy, be different, be set apart in your creativity, just like your father. That's what he's saying. He said, don't get pressed into the mold this world wants to press you into, but be transformed to become like your father. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says this, how little people know who think that holiness is dull. And, And that might be some of you. You think of holiness as this dull, bland thing. He says, when one meets the real thing, holiness is irresistible. I love that. There's this beauty. There's this splendor. What begs the question, what's that look like? What does that kind of holiness look like? He says, be holy just like God is holy. What's it look like? You know where we look to find it? We look to Jesus the ultimate set-apart stranger who came to live here. And you know what we find about Jesus? He was free from sin, and he was free to love. He was free from sin, but he was free to move into the world with love. You see, here's what I know. When it comes to holiness, a lot of us get the whole idea of don't conform to this world. We get that, okay, I need to be free from sin. But what some of us do sometimes is we hide. And I think what Peter is saying is this, is that holiness doesn't hide. And some of us, the way we hide is this. I think Peter would say this, don't isolate yourself to hide from the world. For some of us, like, I need to be holy and all I'm ever going to do is do things with other Christians. And I'm going to kind of cloister away and hide from the world. I think what Peter's saying is, That's not the way the original set-apart stranger lived. Others of us, we hide, but it's a different kind of hide. And I think Peter's saying, don't imitate and hide in the world. For some of us, we're like, I've become so much like the world that I can't even tell a difference that I'm following anybody like Jesus. I think what Peter would say is, don't hide. Don't isolate, don't imitate. I think what he'd say instead, infiltrate to help the world. Why? Because the one who calls us to be holy, when he showed up on the earth, that's what he did. He came and he helped. He came and he was free from sin and he was free to love. Here's what Peter's saying. I'm gonna say this really clear. He's saying, don't conform to the world, transform. But he's also saying, don't hide, help. Can I tell you this? If you hide from the world or hide in the world, you'll never transform to become like your father. Can I say this? If you conform to the world, just become like the world, you'll never help the world. He's saying somehow living here and living holy is conforming to become like our father while moving into our world with help. That's what the splendor of holiness looks like, which leads him to say this. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time here as foreigners, live it in reverent fear. What's he saying? Just write this down. He's saying, just remember whose opinion matters. That's all he's saying. He's saying living hope lives holy while living here. Remember whose opinion matters. 
that you have the Father that you call on is the one whose opinion matters. And Peter would say it this way, if you'll remember, if I remember that our lives are literally acts of worship, acts of worship to him, that's what it means to live in reverent fear. Why would I live my life as an act of worship to him? Well, look at how he finishes, and this is where we end today. For you know, why would I live that way? For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, saved, rescued from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, revealed in these last times, why? For your sake, for my sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, living hope, and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Here's what he's saying, and we're done. He's saying, I want you to know this, the holy, unblemished one, Jesus, was set apart in order to give up his life to help you and to help me. Not only to free us from the penalty of our sin, but to free us for a whole new purpose for living. That's what he's saying. He's saying we are called then to be set apart strangers, sent to infiltrate our world with the help and the hope that Jesus provides. Can I ask you a couple questions today? Can I ask you a couple questions? Have you ever experienced this living hope that he extends to you? Have you ever experienced it? Some of you are watching this and you've never said yes to Jesus. Right there in your living room, you can talk to God and say, God, I believe you love me. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe that he was buried and rose again. And today I want to say yes. I believe that is the only hope to rescue me from the guilt, the sin, in my life, and I want to say yes to following you the rest of my life. Man, if, if you had that conversation, I would love to hear from you. Some of you are sitting there and you're watching this, and, and you ought to talk about it when you shut this off. You ought to talk about it together. But some of you say, I'm a follower of Christ. Can I ask you this? Is your head in the game? You got your head in the game? Is your mind prepared for action do you have the mind of Christ? Are you somehow getting the mind of Christ? Are there things that are intoxicating and dulling your thinking? Have you lost perspective? Have you gotten all freaked out, anxiety-ridden? I'm not sure how this thing's gonna end. Peter would just say to you today, hey, keep your head in the game. And then he would say this, remember, be holy and live as a stranger, a set-apart stranger, Saying, don't conform, but transform and become like your father who didn't hide, but he came to help. And so God, thanks for a good word from Peter. And I pray that today for my friends watching this, some of them have never said yes to Jesus. I pray today would be the day where they say yes to Jesus for the first time, where they can experience the gift of living hope. There's some of my friends watching this that would say I've experienced the gift of that, but somewhere along the way, I've, my head's kind of gotten out of the game. 
I pray this would be an encouragement to get our head in the game, to keep our head in the game. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you give us perspective. I'm so grateful for the perspective and knowing the hope that we have in Christ. Father, for some of us, we've gone to hiding instead of helping. For some of us, we've started conforming instead of transforming. And I pray this word from Peter would be the very thing for us to begin living hope. And in living hope, we would choose to live holy as set-apart strangers in this world, bringing help and hope to those who need to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.